0: I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Robin A. Record a podcast. It is week
1: four of public domain week. movie month. Is it week four? Yeah, week four. The featured decade this week is the 1960s. As promised before, we got some bad science fiction. We got to get some Roger Corman into the picture, and we did so with the 1967 68 release Voyage to the Planet of the Prehistoric Women. Roger Corman. Roger Corman was involved in this, even though his name does not appear in the credits. Really? Yes.
0: Hmm. And so, here I thought this was all Peter Bogdanovich.
1: No, Peter, well, Peter Bogdanovich worked for Roger Corman at the time, and Roger Corman had rights to this movie, and as Roger Corman just want to do, he likes to reuse stuff. And he said, well, let's repackage this, and I'll send uh, Roger Corman down to the beach somewhere and shoot us about ten, ten minutes of women in scantily clad costumes on a beach. And we'll figure out a plot.
0: So, I'm kind of intrigued. Because this is our second 1968 Peter Bogdanovich film.
1: Oh, you're right. 67, 68. He, so he would have filmed this shortly before he made Targets.
0: Yeah. But they were released the same year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that kind of intriguing as I was kind of looking at some stuff for tonight. So, yeah. Yeah. So...
1: What did you make? A voyage to the planet of the prehistoric women. Pretty much nothing. Yeah, there's not a lot to make either.
0: I mean, our recycled foot. I mean, learning more about how this movie was made, it kind of makes sense as to why. But our recycled footage and our new stuff never meet. But yet, yeah, that is like supposedly like the entire impetus of this film. Yeah. Like this film is a whole lot of nothing packaged in
1: a whole lot of nothing. I'm going to go ahead and just read the review that I wrote when I watched this film for the first time back in last November. It's, it's not very long because there's really not a lot to say. So, Voyage to the Planet of the Prehistoric Women, 1968. The 1962 sci-fi, Soviet sci-fi film, Planet or Planet of Storms, had been repackaged by Roger Corman once before, splicing in footage of Faith DeMorgue and Basil Rathbone and released in 1965 as Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet. In 1968, Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women added to the original Russian film around 10 minutes of skimpily dressed women, including Mamie Van Dorn, who's still alive, by the way, at the age of 91, all shot by young Peter Bogdanovich, who also provides voiceover narration. The film is pretty bad, with most of the entertainment value derived from the awkward dubbing. Yeah. This is a bad movie. Yeah. It's pretty darn bad. It's hard to imagine... Paying money to see this in a theater, people yeah. did. This movie made a profit.
0: Wow, I, I'm both surprised and unsurprised.
1: Yeah, because yeah. because they're just basically reused footage. Yeah, other than Mamie Van Doren, including the other.
0: like still being able to see the Cyrillic lettering on the Russian on spacecraft.
1: The yeah, when they dock at Station Texaco, yeah, Space Station Texas for refueling. Also, when
0: they the second one is landing on Venus. Okay, yeah.
1: Explain the plot to voyage to the pl- Voyage to the planet of the peaceful women. To the extent that
0: there is a plot, a group of astronauts are landing on Venus and encounter. This is the MVB plot summary. Astronauts landing on Venus encounter dangerous creatures and almost meet some sexy Ven- Venetian women, who who like to sunbathe in hip-hugging skin-tight pants and seashell brasiers. Yeah, they're wearing bell bottoms. Yeah, it's. Yeah, this movie is not logical. It is not. Yeah. So you've got a group of astronauts who are going to Venus. They lose contact with them as they're trying to land, so a second ship is promptly sent to go we and search for them. about two hours. Yeah. And that second ship. Yeah, there's a lot of logical infalities in this, but it's fine. Like, they, the second ship goes to look for them, lands, eventually finds the astronauts, and they all go back to the spaceship. And as the Venetian women are attempting to kill them by worship of their gods, are able to escape Venus and fly home.
1: Yeah, you ever seen those uh, explain a movie plot badly? No. It's like a, like a...
0: I think I've probably seen like one. Like a, twi-
1: a tweeter, t- Twitter thing. It's like, can, can you explain the plot of a movie and technically be explained the plot of a movie, but in such a way that it hardly yeah. resembles the plot of a movie? So there's a lot of room for doing that with this film. Oh, yeah. So one would be, white man can't help but culturally contaminate when uh, visiting the worlds. Or, a group of visiting men help some women deconstruct their faith. This is a faith (laughs) deconstruction movie because they lose faith in uh, their god, Terra, the rubber pterodactyl creature. No, Terra is the stone pterodactyl. Well, there's both. Yeah. Terra—it's got the, There's the fleshy form of Terra, but then there's the stone version of Terra. And in the end, they adopt as their new god, the charred remnants of, of Robot, Robot John, John, who is left on the planet because they needed to piggyback right on him through lava, the, yeah. two, the two first astronauts.
0: Because, yeah, in order to then be saved by a levitating car.
1: Yeah, the but, space car.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and space they actually cars. Do call it the space yeah.
1: car. Yeah, Uh There's just a lot of weird, awkward conversations because they have footage, and they have to make things that kind of sound like.
0: I, there's just several like parts the, where they the, don't even attempt to. Yeah,
1: at it doesn't always. The dubbing is, is often awkward. But they're just like they're creating conversations that vaguely go with what you see on screen. Yeah. There's the scene where they're talking about the picture of the three kids that like the triplets with the one, two, three, and they're just like, well, "What are their names? It's too hard for me to remember." By triplets—it's easier just
0: to use numbers.
1: You should really name them. And they laugh at each other's bad jokes. Yeah. And the Peter Bogdanovich character becomes convinced that they're women. And he's in love with a woman on the planet that he hasn't, hasn't seen, but he's convinced she's there and that he loves her. And they never really see them. They ne- I mean, because they can't. Because these characters can't interact. Because some were filmed in Russia in 1961, and some were filmed in California in 1967. Yeah. And never the twain shall meet. Yeah. Probably a good excuse to go into the trivia section. Because there's really no point in talking about the cast other than Mimi Vendor.
0: Yeah. Do you want to talk they're, about her before all, we move into it?
1: They're all interchangeable yeah. Russians. Well, but the number keeps changing throughout the movie. The number of women does. Yes. Because we start out with. We start seven. with
0: three, and then it goes to five, and then to seven, and it's seven through the majority of the movie, and then at the very end, it's nine. Yeah.
1: So. No. Well, isn't that the two women that come up out of the water? And like, That's when they get these to are seven. That's when they get to seven.
0: I thought that was when they got to 9. No, that's when they got to 7. All right. Yeah. As you mentioned, this is re-edited version. This is coming from the trivia section of IMDb. This is actually a re-edited version of a film previously released in the U.S. as Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet from 1965, which itself was an edited and dubbed version of the Soviet film Planeta Bur 1962. For this version, the already dubbed Russian footage was reused, but the American insert shots of Basil Rathbone and Faith Demurg were removed and new insert shots featuring Mimi Van Dorn and other actresses as inhabitants of Venus were inserted. Director Peter Bogdanovich did the nation as it narration as if he were one of the cosmonauts telling the story in flashback. Some additional special effects shots from another Soviet production, Battle Beyond the Sun from 1959, were also added. For this version, the famous shot of the Venetian reflected in the pool of water was removed.
1: I have seen part of Voyage to the Prehistoric Planet. It is very dry and slow and uh, much more serious in its attitude than... Have the you
0: seen one. either of the two original films that they're reciting footage from? Uh, no. The film takes place in the year 1998. Yeah,
1: this, mm-hmm.
0: At six minutes and forty six seconds the spaceship has the Cyrillic Russian alphabet
1: for Vega as it as it is pronounced on this audio track. We also determined that you go thirty this, this movie is short, it's only seventy nine minutes long, and it is thirty-three minutes and twenty five seconds into the film before you see your first prehistoric film.
0: Yes. The prologue informs that the code name for this project is Marsha, which was the name of Faith Demerge a character in the earlier voyage to a prehistoric planet. This also justifies the use of dialogue from the first version as the astronauts attempt to contact Marsha. The headpiece, which Moana dons at 47 minutes and 39 seconds, is an exact match for the one seen in the reflection scene at the end of the earlier version of the movie. Mamie Van Doren told Femme Fatale's magazine. The wardrobe lady had a tough time finding seashells big enough to cover her boobs. I believe it. Yeah, that's really all that's even worth pulling out of the trivia on IMDB.
1: This film the the greatest thing it has going for it is its name. Okay. And it's just a silly name. But it's just it is, as we've said before, there is there's basically nothing to this. Yeah. No. It's a lot of people wandering around, it's 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 very disconnected because you're imposing a story onto film. It's not the same story as the original film. You can't have the prehistoric women interact with any of the main characters. I thought it was interesting how they just kind of let the prehistoric part go. Like we see a dinosaur and we see like little miniature Godzilla men. We and, see a bunch of dinosaurs, yeah. and we kill off several miniature Godzilla's, yeah. and then, but that's all in like the first half hour of the film, and yep. then you don't see them anymore. Yep. And like that, we kind of interesting, and the fact that these are scientists and they're completely like like they're non-pulsed. It's like this is and like the greatest lot of trash, the greatest discovery ever. Our understanding of the universe has completely changed, and they're just kind of teasing each other about how the one has the the crush on the woman he hasn't met. Yeah. It's an
0: awkward, awkward film. I asked you something as we were watching this. I'm too lazy to see if I can find an answer to this, my own question. But when they are worshipping the fire god on Mm. Venus, is that the inspiration for Beavis and Butthead's
1: fire, 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 fire? fire.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I wonder, because I know that was airing in
1: 1998.
0: Oh, yeah. We're (laughs) done. So... Yeah, I don't. I mean, this is gonna be a short episode, I presume, because yeah. there's really not a lot. to uh, There's discuss. nothing else to say. How would you rate this film?
1: I will say that I enjoyed it more on the second viewing. Okay. I th- Why I do you think that it's is? The, it's it's the same principle in which I enjoyed watching the Star Wars Holiday Special more when I watched it with you, because watching I was forcing else. another human being to watch something bad. Okay. And that was kind of. I actually liked
0: this better than the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's shorter that's true
1: this is bad it's one star i think i gave it one and a half on the yeah. first time i watched it but i'm going one star on the four star scale and three on the uh 10 star scale it's not unwatchable it's watchable because it's short
0: yes i would agree with that this has an aggregate store on a score on imdb of 2.9 stars with 1711 ratings I like this slightly more than you. I think I would give this a half-star on the four-star scale, but on the ten-star scale, I think I'd
1: probably actually give this a three. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has no tomato meter score because it lacks uh, sufficient critical paper. reviews, but it has an audience score of 20%. That's uh, faring better than it does here. Yeah. Bad, okay. bad Bad movie. Which means it's going to rank towards the bottom, if not at the Well, it's going to be the bottom of both of our lists. Yeah. I'm pretty confident of that. How would you rank our movies? And Let's we'll uh, go through the, the titles for Public Domain Month. Was uh, Human Bondage from 34, The Strange Love of Martha Ivers from 46, Gods Little Acre from 58, and from 68, Voyage to the Planet of the Prehistoric Women.
0: Without looking at my reviews for the others, I'm still... A little bit charmed by God's Little Acre. Mm. So I kind of want to put that number one. Oh, really? Ivers, I'd probably put as number two. What was the first one again? Uh, Human Bondage? Human Bondage. No. A Human Bondage. A Human Bondage. Yeah, I'm going to go
1: ahead and put that third, and then I'll put this fourth. Interesting. I thought it would go a little differently than that. Mine goes in order of release. Number one is *Of Human Bondage*, followed by *Strange Love*, *Martha Ivers*, *God's Little Acre*, and *Voyage to the Planet*. Yeah, *The Prehistoric*.
0: I can't explain why I'm so charmed by *God's Little Acre*, but I found mm-hmm. that quite charming last week.
1: Mm-hmm. So we had kind of a reverse of uh last week, because when we watched *God's Little Make- Acre*, I had only had about three and a half hours of sleep, and <laughs> tonight when we watched *Voyage to the Planet*, Prehistoric Women, you only had about three and a half hours of sleep.
0: Yeah. Very different reasons, but no. yes. Yeah. Well if there's nothing else I'm Rob. I'm Nate And this is Rob and Nate Record a podcast. Seems to be working now, but mm-hmm. I need to something happened in the mic bag and the microphone levels were adjusted, so is our level okay? That's what I'm working on determining. Though I do must I must admit, I now have an inkling desire, you know, a very moderate desire to rename my computer mm-hmm. to robot john. Robot John, yes. Indeed. my computer may now hereafter be known as Robot or John. Robot John, we or may Marcia. have to. We might have to start issuing credits to
1: Robot John. Mm-hmm. Do you have final thoughts about public domain movies? Mm-hmm. Any observations about them? Any interest in seeking out movies based on their public domain status?
0: Yes. What I wish, though, is I wish I knew. Like how and why some more of these movies entered into the public domain, why someone didn't maintain their copyright. A
1: lot of the time is people just did not file proper paperwork.
0: But why? You like that doesn't. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that aspect of it. I wish I had the answers for all of those for the movies this month. I did look for it
1: last week on God's Little Acre, Mm -hmm. uh, but couldn't find it. And copyright rules have changed over the years, and I think and. My understanding is that Disney kind of heavy, strong-armed uh, an extension of copyright laws in the late 1990s, so they could hold on to Mickey Mouse and some of the rest of their their properties. But I believe something books go, pop into the public domain after like 95 years, hmm. something like that. And movies, I don't have the clearest understanding of when they go into the public domain.
0: Yeah, I, I am going to check out that YouTube channel a little bit more. I've looked at some of the others that are on there, yeah. but have not had a lot of time for watching this I summer, so I've not gotten into that
1: yet, but yeah. Yeah, and what's also interesting is that two of these movies we watched on YouTube and two of these we watched on Prime, and there's so much nicer to watch on Prime because you don't have the constant commercial interruptions, because that's that's I didn't the mind problem. the commercial
0: interruptions as much as... I minded the sound imbalance between the commercials yeah. and the
1: movies. So. Because some people, they're just real, like, yeah, a couple, but like, every nine minutes? Yeah. It is what
0: it is. Yeah. Uh, I was going to make a comment earlier to Melinda and I forgot to. Uh, this is goes back to our conversations earlier this evening. Sometimes I am intrigued as much or more by the course of our conversations than the... Subject of our conversations, mm. like tonight is one of those that to have charted the course of our conversations this evening would have been as intriguing or more intriguing
1: than the substance of the conversations. Yeah, I know. the meandering, oh, the meanderingness, and I actually have another thing that I was going to mention earlier. So, th- so they 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 never saw them, right? They don't know what no. they look like. Well, but the Venetians saw them. The Venetians saw the humans. Yeah, because I was thinking, let's say they saw them, and they come back to Earth. If you make that public, the neo Nazis are going to be wild because they're a bunch of blonde Aryan oh. women on Venus. There would be all sorts of neo Nazi Venetians. That's going to be the Venetian comment that will actually
0: get us canceled. Not the fact that we did this movie.
1: Uh. <laughs> the, the political implications—the prehistoric women, except are the white supremacist in Russia, not in unit. Germany. Well, the prehistoric women are from California.
0: Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Yeah.